It's Thursday, the 5th of October, and you're listening to Sound Advice. Welcome, everybody. My name's Steve Jones, and welcome to another episode of Ballard's LLP Medical Podcast Sound Advice. Today, I'm joined, as usual, by Matthew Watson and Mark Scallum. Both are healthcare partners here at Ballard's. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Mark. Hi, Steve. Hi, Mark. Hi, both. Thanks for your time today. So, we're a bit sort of hot off the press on this one. Today, we're going to get a little bit of info out of Matthew and Mark as regards to the recent Doctors and Dentists Pay Review Board recommendation for 6% pay increase across the board. But more importantly, where's this money going to come from in regards to private practice? I'm going to kind of sit back and let you guys have this platform because I know that there's a fair bit to go through. So, Mark, do you want to do you want to bring us up to speed with the with the info that you've got? Yeah, sure, I'll do that. I mean, I suppose before we start, I probably should apologise to everybody because this is going to sound like a rant, and it is, I suppose. But this is where we are. This is what we've got. So, if we just cast our minds back a couple of months or so ago, as you say, Steve, there was a recommendation that six percent is paid to NHS employees, and that, of course, if you are employed by a hospital or directly employed by the NHS, is a relatively easy thing to do. The Treasury just gives the Department of Health some more money that flows its way through to the NHS, and that then comes out in everybody's wages. The difficulty, of course, is around primary care with GP practices being independent contractors. They are independent businesses. They are private businesses that just happen to have the NHS as their largest customer. So that money, if you are to offer a 6% pay rise to general practice staff, that money has to be come from somewhere. And so there has been over the past few months, clearly in the background, a lot of discussions, a lot of time spent on figuring out how that's going to work. And um, over the last couple of days that I've not seen any formal communication yet. I, I normally expect to see a letter from the NHS explaining exactly what's happened, but we have seen reports from the BMA um, and also in the medical press advising that the deal's done, basically, and giving some detail on that. So we've had a look at that with some of our clients. We've had a look at that internally, and we thought that actually it's worth sharing what we think on it, really. So the basic position is that the global sum will increase. The global sum will increase from... £102.28 to £104.73. So it's an increase of £2.45 per patient. That gets applied to your normal weighted list size like your like everything else in your global sum gets uh, gets attributed as well. So that's an increase of 2.4%, okay, just on your global sum. And when you read a little bit more about how they've come up with this, the BMA press release talks about this being based on the assumption that 44% of the global sum is spent on wage costs. And so there's a couple of things to, to think about here. Firstly, this isn't a 2.4% increase in practice income. This is a 2.4% increase in your global sum. Okay. And that's quite an important distinction. So if you think about where the income in a GP practice comes from, yes, all right, the single largest item that income will come from will be the global sum. However, there's a fairly big chunk that comes from QAF. There's a fairly big chunk that comes from enhanced services, but that is not impacted by this. There's then the Second question around, well, actually, is is this right? You know, our staff costs really 44% of global sum. And and we've had a bit of a look at, at sort of the benchmarking data that we've got. We have a, a big spreadsheet where we, we summarize all our practices onto and, and sort of just take a look and, and figure out what the percentages look like. And to be honest, there's very few that are of that sort of size. It is quite a small percentage. I'll be honest, it, it, I would have expected it to be slightly bigger. The R's I accept 
the R's roles can complicate that calculation a little bit. But nevertheless, if we just look at the try and look at the basic staff within the GP practice, I don't think 44% is the right number. So what we've got then is a bit of a problem because we have the government turning around and saying, isn't this great? Everybody within NHS is going to get a 6% pay rise. You have as uh, partners within GP practices, no doubt got staff running around asking you when they're going to get their 6% because they've been promised it by the government and they believe what the government tells them. And to be able to pay this, you are going to be given some more money. Okay. And that money is going to turn up. There's going to be a lump sum that should turn up in October. And you are going to get some money, which is to top up what you've already been paid within the global sum up to enough in theory to pay that 6%. The logic is that you've already had 2.1%. That's how the five-year contract was built. It was built around a 2.1% pay rise. And so what and so the maths is that you need an extra 3.9% to take you from the 2.1 to the 6. And this is where the calculation has then come from. But reality is, I don't say this is going to work. You've got £2.45 a patient. So if you're looking at a, a 10,000 list size patient, uh, a practice rather, that's going to give you an extra £24,500 of income over the course of the year. That needs to cover a pay rise of 3.9% on your, on your staff. So if you do the maths backwards, on that, if you've got a 10,000 patient list size, you've got to have a wage bill, including your employers at national insurance and including your employer's pension. You've got to have a, a wage bill of less than 628,000 pounds for that to work. And every practice is different, you know, and practices will have different models of working. They could have an awful lot of partners or they could have very few partners. And of course, the, the impact of those is, is going to create winners and losers in this anyway. But as I say, we can only see, and, and looking at the data that we've got here, we, can, we we came up with three practices, I think, that we know of where this is actually going to work for them. This is going to give them enough money. And those three practices are practices where they are outliers, really, in terms of how they are structured. They are very heavily partner, very partner heavy, really. So they don't have, they don't rely on salary GPs. They work on partners. And of course, if you're relying on partners, that means your wage bill is lower. But they are outliers in that. The majority of the practices we're looking at here do not have, will not get enough money from this to be able to pay that 3.9%. So that is really quite, I was going to say it's really quite interesting. I suppose it's not really that interesting. It's not really that surprising either. I don't think any of us really thought that the, the amount of money that was going to come through would be enough. But it's surprising actually how little it is, I suppose, in some ways. It's also surprising actually how little comment I think there's been on that. The, the communications I saw from the BMA have been sort of a, a matter of just saying, well, the deal's done. Here it is. We're happy with it. And and actually, I think if the BMA think hard enough about this, they shouldn't really be happy about it. And they're not averse to jumping up and down. You know, they they, they probably should have, have taken that a little bit harder. However, we are where we are. So what have you got to do as practices? You know, that gives you a bit of a quandary here. First thing is, do you have to now go and give all your staff a 6% pay rise? Well, no, you don't. Like we said earlier, you are... An independent contractor, you can do what you want. Do you have to backdate any pay rise that you do choose to give them? No, exactly the same reason. But I think you're going to have to be under huge pressure to do both of those. And we can see this, you know, we can see this in practices where staff are coming up and knocking on doors and saying, when's the 6% coming? When are we going to get it? There's other stuff that's come out in the press from the, the nursing associations have been saying, look, you know, make sure you push and make sure you get this. So I think there's going to be huge pressure on that, but you don't have to do it. There's a couple of other complications as well. Hang on a minute. What about where there are practices out there that have a pay review date, an annual pay review date that isn't April? So within 
ballards within our business, our pay review date is October. You know, we give pay rises 1st of October. Uh, some GP practices might do similarly. Well, what do they do in that instance? Do they throw their existing structure out of the way or do they stick with, you know, do something different? We've also got situations whereby you end up with performance-related pay rises. Again, within ballards and within many commercial organizations, we don't have a situation where everybody gets a standard percentage. We don't think that people should just get a pay rise just because they've sat on a seat for an extra year. What we have instead is we have a process where those that are better performers get slightly more, those that are, are core performers get an amount, and those that are um, underperforming get a, get a lesser amount. What do you do with that? Do you throw that out the window or, or, or to do to accommodate this 3%? What do we do? And it's 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 somewhat problematic. And I'm not entirely sure I have an answer here because it, it, it is it is causing problems. My Coming back to those two specifics, I think personally, my view personally is that if, if the business has a pay review date of 1st of October, like Ballard's do, then I would stick to it. And I would be prepared for an awful lot of grief, but I would stick to it on the basis that they've those staff have had a pay rise in October the previous year, and therefore they've benefited throughout this period. If you've got a system where you've got performance-related pay, I'd still keep that in there, but I'd work on the basis of giving an average of 6%, if 6% is, is the number that you're you're going to do. You've also got the complication around the minimum wage. So a number of your staff may well have had pay rises in April already to get them to the minimum wage. So minimum wage, you might remember, went up by 9.7%. which is huge back in April 2023. You may have forgotten about that, but it was particularly painful at the time. Now, of course, those staff might well be expecting another pay rise at this point, but but my view would be, well, actually, the, this arrangement is suggesting they should be entitled to a 6% pay rise, but you've already given them 9.7, so you've already given them more than that. So are they entitled to anything more? I suggest not. Clearly, it's, it's up to everyone to have a, a, their own uh, their own decision on this, but that would be my view on it. Oh, and then we've got the R's just to make life even more interesting on all of this. So the, the R's roles, the, these reimbursed roles that we've got, those rates are sort of carved out of this. The rates that were included within R's they increase five percent, so you're now allowed to claim, you know, allowed to sort of claim five percent more for these roles within within the bandings, which is good because you can get the money in for that, or your PCN cam, which indirectly comes through to you. But actually, from what we understand, the pot itself, the R's budget that you have, hasn't increased five percent. So it's all very well being able to say, well, you can now claim five percent more for an individual. That's great, that's fantastic. But if the total pot that you can have hasn't increased, that's pointless, and that is. Is, is extremely difficult to then try and uh, try and make work. So I did warn you this was going to be a little bit of a rant, and uh, and I think that's unfortunately where we are. As I say, this is not as much money as uh, we would expect it to have been. I don't think we expected it to be the right amount of money. No one could ever work out for every practice how much each practice needed to do this. It was always going to be done on an average basis. It was always going to be a broad brush, and it was always going to create winners and losers. But as I say, you're looking at looking at the you're looking at the data sort of five you know five percent or less than five percent of the practices that we we act for are going to be able to afford to do this and the money they've got in the rest aren't and that just doesn't feel right. So unfortunately, we 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 sort of we are where we are and I think therefore the practices have got to try and uh, figure out what they are prepared to do. Whether that means that they are going to go with the six percent and of course that money's got to come from somewhere if it's not going to be met by this additional income. So that money is going to have to be met instead from partners' pockets, partners' profit. Um, so, so that's a decision that practices need to make. So, um, and they also need to make the decision about whether to backdate it or not. And that's that's where it is going to get a little bit uh, a little bit messy. So, a little bit of a rant. Sorry, Matthew, you're going to ask me when you can see. Yeah, 
can I ask you a couple of questions? First of all, part, partners are always very concerned, aren't they, whenever we start talking about staff, because they want to make sure that they treat the staff fairly yeah. and correctly and make sure they're not doing anything that's not sort of strictly legal. I've had the question that some of them have already given them a 2 or 3 or 4% pay rise so far this year. Do you think that they now just have to make it up to the 6% or do you think they have to give 6% over and above that? Well, I don't. I, I think yeah. first point is they don't have to do anything because they're independent contractors, so they can choose what they want to do. What I suspect uh, is expected, though, is that if someone has already given a 3% pay rise this year as their across-the-board pay rise, I would expect that the the intention would be that they should give an extra 3% backdated to April so that they have had 6 and that's actually going to be quite a tricky one. It's a good point, actually. I think that might be a tricky one to deal with with the staff because in their minds, they'll probably have forgotten they got that 3%. And in their minds, they think, actually, this is new money to give them 6% from here. But of course, it isn't. So I think community comms here, comms to the staff is absolutely vital on what's, whatever happens. I, I, the other, sorry, mate. Sorry, Mark. The other point I was also thinking about was they might feel uncomfortable if they said to some staff, we'll give you 6%, but to other staff, you know, the ones that maybe the receptionists or the apprenticeships that have already had the increase because of minimum wage or the living wage, that they don't give them a pay rise. I think that might be difficult because they would say, you know, it's 6% across the board as a general pay rise, and that might cause discontent. Yeah. No, I can see, I can it's, see that. It's not can, going to be easy, is it? It's not going to be easy, but I, I think you could, you're right. I think you can, I think you would be able to try and explain that away to the staff and say, look, you know, you know, reception, for example, you know, and it, and it is, you know, it is reception actually that have had yeah. some rises off minimum wage, even if they're not actually on minimum wage, then they tend to have had some rises because they're so close to minimum wage, if that makes sense. And so therefore there is a gradual shifting up as a result of minimum wage going up. But I would, I would say, look, if you've had, if you've had a pay rise for minimum wage already, that is your rise. Okay. That, that yeah. happened. That, that is your rise. That's what, you know, you can't expect to have another 6% on top of this. And I'd also be pretty clear, I think, with the staff that says, look, you know, we have been given some money to do this. And, and, you know, if it, if it turns out that the practice says, look, we can only afford to pay 4% from this, let's say, be honest with the staff and say, look, we've been given enough money. You know, if we've only been given enough money to pay three and a half percent or whatever it might be. We as the partners have put money, put our hands in our own pockets to top this up to, to four or four and a half or whatever you want to do. But we physically cannot do any do any more. We physically cannot do six. And be, be clear with them, you know, the instant reaction of the staff if they don't get six percent is like, is my view. I suspect they'll think the partners are just pocketing yeah. the money and are going to go and, and have that extra profit. But if you if you try and be honest with them, explain them where they're coming from this, I think then then that's the better place to to go from. Now the other the other thing that's also we should also bear in mind as well here is I've spoken to a couple of practices where they say, well actually look, we'll just pay the six percent. I accept it's we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose ten grand or fifteen grand or whatever it is from doing this, but we'll do that. But don't forget you're gonna be losing that money every year. Because if you have to top up them up to six percent this year, you've got the cost this year. But that then becomes the baseline for your salary for next year. And so this isn't this isn't a case of saying, well, actually, this six percent pay rise will disappear. This six percent pay rise will be, will be baked in every year. And so if you're going to have to spend ten or fifteen thousand pounds of your own money to give it this year, you're going to pay that every year going forward, and potentially a bit more as you uplift that as well. Do you know if the extra two pound forty five per per patient is that that's going to be there for good, isn't it? They're not going to sort of yeah. 
recap that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. So that so that now becomes the baseline for the global sum for this year. That new number, that new number of I've I've lost my note now, but the new number of hundred and four pounds seventy three, that becomes the number that will have inflation applied to it going forward. Now, what happens next year? Who knows? If you remember, we've got this is the last year of the five year deal. We're now in a we're going to have a one year contract while they sort out the new five year contract. I think the intention is get the election out of the way, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, I suspect we'll end up with a couple of one year contracts while we figure out and get a new government in place, probably, and they figure out what they want to do with it. So yeah, so a, diff- a difficult one, as I say, it, and I'm, as I say, I am surprised there's not been a more challenge than there is. But I think the most important thing that any practice can do is actually do a good exercise of costing this and figuring out what it is. I think to make a to make a very quick reaction, which is to say, well, let's just give the six percent without giving it any real calculations. I think would be a mistake. I think you need to sit down, work out what this is going to cost to do it figure out exactly those people who are going to be entitled to it. Think about people who've joined in the year or people who've joined towards the end of last year. Think about those that have had minimum wage. Are they all going to be entitled to this um, and cost it up? And, and and don't forget when you're costing it up, don't forget to add on the national insurance that you're going to pay because you're going to have to pay some extra national insurance on this. That's 13.8%. And don't forget to add on the extra pension you're going to have to pay. So assuming they're in the NHS pension, that's an extra 14.38%. So not only the basic salary, it's another 28% when you buy, when you add those two costs together. Okay. So if you would like any help, if you want to chat through about anything we've spoken about, or if you'd like some help in terms of uh, modeling this, whether that's modeling it for you or checking the models that you've done just to make sure they make sense, then please feel free to get in touch at the usual place, either pick up the phone or, uh, or drop an email through to either me or Matthew. Great, thanks, Mark. And so, just for clarity, uh, that number is oh one nine oh five seven nine four five zero four, or you can get hold of uh, any of the team at Ballards uh, on email, which is first name dot second name. In this case, it's Mark with a K, Mark dot Skellum S K E double L U M for mother, Mark dot Skellum at Ballards LLP dot com, and Matthew dot Watson double T and Matthew Matthew dot Watson at Ballards LLP dot com. Matthew, Mark, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate that. And it's great to get um, the information hot off the press. And uh, I will catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys.